turn to Galatians chapter 5 this morning, Galatians chapter 5, as we continue our study through the fruit of the Spirit. Most of you know that we're going through a series of lessons, first of all, through the Old Testament. We're about to start the Minor Prophets, Lord permitting, we'll start those at the beginning of the school, beginning of the year, I keep saying school year, beginning of the year we'll start those. And uh, so we're kind of just finishing out the year with the fruit of the Spirit. These are good reminders for us, by the way. And uh, again, want to kind of look. This is what's supposed to be the outcome of a spirit-filled life, the fruit of the spirit. So if you grab your Bible, let's look down at verse 22 and 23, and let's read it out loud. They're short verses. He, uh, Galatians 5, verse 22, together. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. All right, let's pray again. Father in heaven, we ask for your blessings now. Give us again the words to say. Bless your people. Bless your word. Help it again to make an impact on our lives as far as what we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, I mean, the fruit of the Spirit, opposite of the works of the flesh. We've gone through this passage several times. The works of the flesh are mentioned in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Manifest means make known. And he goes through several, adultery, fornication, lasciviousness. And he goes through all these different things that are, the, that are made known. These are what the flesh wants to do. And as a Christian, we've got this war going on inside of us. It's flesh and spirit bad and good. And so the, which one's going to win is the one that we feed the most. And that's what we talk about being filled with the spirit of God. Ephesians number five, verse number 18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. And then how do we get filled with the spirit? According to Colossians number three, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So what we need to do as Christians and not do the minimum, we need to do the maximum when it comes to the word of God. The more the word that we put in, the more the spirit has control of our life. And again, getting filled with the Spirit is not you getting more of the Holy Spirit. You being filled with the Spirit is the Holy Spirit getting more of you. Are you with me so far? So again, when we look at this idea of being filled with the Spirit, these are things I should have in my life. Love. What is love? It's a divine concern for others. Divine meaning God's love. In other words, when I look at people, I'm supposed to look at people like God looks at people. How many say that's kind, sometimes kind of hard? And that's what God wants us to do. And that's why when he says the command to love, five people we're supposed to love, love God. Love our neighbor, love your wife, love your enemies, love the brethren. And so we look at one another and whether they're lost or saved, sometimes we have a hard time with that. But how do I do that? It's something that's not me. I don't work up love. It's the fruit of the spirit. As I get closer to God, God allows me to have a divine uh, concern for others. I was in McDonald's this morning. A fellow walked by. He had one, had a prosthetic, am I saying that right? Prosthetic leg. Um, for one of his legs and he walked by my uh, table like three times and uh, you know how you I'm studying I can see him out of the corner of my eye walked by, by my table three times and finally I just looked up to him and said sir how you doing and he said I'm doing good and his name was Jeremy and Jeremy began to hold a conversation he's homeless had his black hair had two uh, braided uh, uh, pigtails I call them pigtails coming out both sides and began to begin to talk to him I said what happened to your leg he says I was in a fight and somebody took a shotgun and blew my leg off and uh, got to talking to him and asked him about his faith in Christ. He's not a Christian, not saved. But, uh, you know, as far as him going, going by, every time those kind of things happen, I'm wondering what the Lord's doing. There are no accidents with God in your life. When you think about work and what's, what's said and what mail you get and what phone calls you get, I want to tell you something. God's got a divine plan about everything in your life. And God brings people across our paths. What are we supposed to do? Have a divine concern for others. How do I get that to happen? I don't have to say, okay, love people, love people, love people. All I have to do is put scripture in and the spirit of God takes control of my life and I look at people differently. And so again, what's the fruit of the spirit? It's that love that comes from having a walk with God and being spirit filled. Joy. I tell you, sometimes Christians really struggle with this area of joy in their life. Well, nothing's going my way and everything seems to be going wrong and nobody likes me and on and on and on. And I want to tell you something, those things sometimes are literal. 
But how do you overcome this discouraging part of life? How can you have joy in your life? A person once said, and it's so true, happiness comes from happenings or circumstances in my life. Joy is not based upon happenings. I don't have to have something to make me happy. I have someone who makes me happy. So again, Jesus inside of us is what flows through us to give us that, if I can say joy, being that gladness of heart. Church man, can I just tell you, joy is not going to come from what you see in here. Joy comes from what's within. It comes from the heart. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. I want to tell you something. You ever see somebody that got a frown and scowl on their face all the time? You know, the only way you're going to change that face is change the heart. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. If you want a better face, get a better heart. All right. And so again, Christians, sometimes we, we wonder, well, how come, I, how come I'm not happy? Well, I'm not saying that we don't get unhappy. I don't think Mrs. Smith was happy yesterday as she saw her mother take the last breath. Yes, there's joy knowing she's in heaven, but death, it brings an unhappiness. But you're saying, I mean, we can still have joy in our life. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peace. You know, peace is that tranquility of mind. Sometimes we get so bothered. And what, what causes that bother? It's called worry. All right. And what happens? We get bothered in our mind. How does a Christian get the peace? The Bible calls it the peace that passeth all understanding. In other words, how do you have peace? And it's not understandable how you can even have that peace. The fruit of the spirit, the spirit of God that dwells inside of us. All right. So again, just by way of review, love, joy, peace, long suffering. Long suffering is being able to endure under, in, under injury or actually the word patient. Patience under injury. You're going through a rough time, long-suffering, all right? We say long-spirited, but long-suffering. Gentleness is simply kindness. Goodness, I think we talked about last week, simply doing good to others, doing good to others. And Christians ought to be doing that already, amen? Your verse today that you memorized, and uh, let's see here, Galatians 6, 9, as you have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all, am I just the wrong one? Say again. 6, 10, all right. The verse is correct, right? Okay, good. All right, thank you very much. Boy, you see how quick you guys are to correct me? I love you. Amen? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're helping me. Amen? So it's Galatians 6.10, correct? I don't know why I thought that was 9. All right. Uh, Galatians 6.10. Is 6.9, be you not deceived, God is not mocked? Okay, I had him confused. Is that 6.7? All right. What's 6.9, by the way? Oh, let us not be weary and well-doing, for in due season we should reap faint not. Okay, good. All right, now that we got that settled, back to chapter 6, verse number 10. As you therefore have opportunity, opportunity, now it's an interesting word too, opportunity. As you therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, lost or saved, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. And so again, this idea of goodness, I don't have to try to figure out, okay, today's the week to help the bonds. No. As you have therefore opportunity, all right? I think it's okay to help the bonds, but I'm just trying to say, Mrs. Bond needs help. But anyway, I think it's good to help one another, but that's to be the fruit of the spirit of God that's in our life. Then let's, one we're gonna look at today um, is faith. And of course, it's the next one on our list. And so this morning, church family, there's a lot of places we can go when we understand as far as the building up of our faith. Church family, um, let, me, let me start, start with this. How do we build our faith? I think these things are in your lesson. The first thing that has to happen is a person has to be saved, all righty? Romans chapter 10, verse number nine, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Belief, faith is what starts us as far as our, our, that journey of faith. It takes faith to be saved, takes faith to live the Christian life, all right? My definition, which is not mine, but the easiest definition, I think faith is just simply taking God at his word. 
Now we go with our biblical definition, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right, so that's what we call faith. In other words, I don't see how this is gonna work. I don't know how this is gonna happen, but I know there's a God in heaven that's gonna help, help it to happen in my life, all right? Church family, the Christian life is to live by faith. The Christian life is to walk by faith. The Christ, that's, that's what our life is, is to take God at his word in our life. Listen, the lost world doesn't have that. The lost world is trusting in what they have coming in from their job or what they have for a retirement. They're trusting in what somebody's going to do for them. Now, I want to tell you something, the Christian life, it's a faith walk. It's not, we don't walk by faith. We walk, I'm sorry, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And so again, this idea of taking God at his word, all right? I think there's three or four things in scripture that teaches that. Again, they're in your lesson. I want to go a little bit different direction this morning, but let me just name these things if you don't mind. What's going to cause you to have faith? Number one, you've got to be saved. And what's going to cause you to have faith? Number two, you already know what it is. Romans chapter 10, verse number 19. I'm careful about what references I use now. Uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the... All right, so what's going to increase your faith is the word of God. The more you read the word of God, the stronger your faith is going to be. So number one, you have to be saved. Number two, you have to be in the word of God. Number three, remember he said, the trying of your patience worketh. Did I say it backwards? The trying of your faith worketh patience. Man, my verses are all backwards this morning. All right, guess we better stop quoting. I think we're going to just turn to all of them this morning. All right. So the third thing that helps increase your faith is, the, is testing in your life. Of course, James 1 talks about that testing and how it builds our faith. And church, I mean, none of us like tests, all right? Tests, they, they strain us. They cause heaviness. They hurt us sometimes. They, they, the, the tests that come in our life. Can you imagine Abraham when the Bible says that God tempted, the word tempting test, when God tests Abraham, I want you to kill your son. Uh, my only son? Yeah, yeah, that one. The one I promised I was going to give you. The one, as God said, the one that you love. That's pretty an amazing test. Didn't even tell his wife, takes off from Mount Moriah, walks up to the mountain, has the knife in his hand, and he was willing to kill his own son because it was simply a test. Can I just tell you, God's going to bring tests into our life, but you know what that does? It builds your faith. When you go to the New Testament, what is he known for? Abraham's known for his faith. Abraham believed God. So what's going to build your faith? Being saved. What's going to build your faith? Uh, it's going to be the word of God. What's going to build your faith? It's testing that comes into our life. And of course, sometimes with that testing, it's, it's also suffering that comes into our life. So all of these things is what build our faith. Now, church family, let's do the obvious one. The fourth thing and the last thing that builds your faith is Galatians 5, verse number 22 and 23. It comes from what? The fruit of the spirit. All right, I, think, I don't know if that's what you said, but fruit of the spirit. So a spirit-filled life is what causes us to build that faith. All right, and as Christians, we want that. So this morning, I want to take you to the disciples' question or statement on increase our faith. Would you turn, turn in your Bible with me now and go flip over to, um, I believe it's Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 this morning. Flip over to that. And this is where the disciples asked Jesus, would you increase our faith? Luke chapter 17, increase our faith. All right. Now, church, I, mean, I find it interesting that during Jesus' earthly ministry, the disciples were like you and I. Uh, the disciples, were, they, they were weak in their faith sometimes. Um, you know, sometimes they questioned Jesus and Jesus says, you know, why are you even doing this? Do you have no faith? So when they asked, teach us to pray, and when they said increase our faith, Jesus gives us a, 
really point by point as far as what we need to do and have our faith increased. All right? And we understand where faith gets increased, being saved, word of God, fruit of the spirit, suffering. We understand that. But Jesus gives a statement and he gives a parable in answer to the question, increase our faith. All right, so you got your Bible, Luke chapter 17. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick it up if you don't mind in verse number five. Luke 17, verse number five says this. It says, and the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. That word increase means to add or give more. Verse number six, it says, the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye might say unto the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. All right, now, just something, the statement is in verse number six. The parable is in verse number seven through 10. Both six through 10 is the answer to verse five, increase our faith. In other words, God, we want to have more faith. We want to see what you're trying to do in our life. And so God says, Jesus, he says, now here's what you're going to have to have. If you're going to have your faith increased, he says, first of all, he makes a statement. What's the statement that he made? He said, if you have faith as the, as the grain of a mustard seed, he says, you're going to be able to say to the sycamine tree, be plucked up by the roots and be planted in the sea. All right. Now, church, I mean, we know that's an impossible thing, but what I want you to think about is the grain of a mustard seed. Now, I think, I think it's kind of interesting how small is the thing of mustard seed. I think it's interesting how small that, that mustard seed. All right. Now, church, I mean, I wish I, I could bring it around to everybody, but I would, I mean, these things are, are smaller than a BB. All righty. That's the grain of a mustard seed. Now, church, I mean, think about it. If we don't have that much faith, and yet that's the amount of faith that it takes to be able to do the impossible, can you imagine if we would just simply trust God in these areas? I just made a mess, all right? In these areas on what God could do for us. So the statement reveals to me three things. First of all, faith is a choice. If ye. And of course, he mentions that twice in the passage, that ye, you personally, that we're the ones that have to have the faith. Just I mean, how many times as a parent you have faith for your children? In other words, okay, this is what you need. We talk to our children. This is what you need to do. Why? Because you've already been there. You've already done that. And so your child simply relies upon your faith your, by their obedience. And their obedience is what causes them to be able to be successful. Church, let me watch now. It's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father knows everything. He tells us what to do from his word. We simply obey it by faith. That obedience is what causes us to be successful. God blesses us in our life. What? We take God at his word. But it's a personal choice. You have to choose whether or not you're going to trust God in this particular area of your life or whatever that area might be. Not only is faith a choice, but faith's attainable. The grain of a mustard seed is pretty small. You know, it's not like God said, if you had faith the size of a dump truck, you could move this tray and put, he said, as a grain of a mustard seed, which means all of us can have this amount of faith. It's not this super amount of faith. God says, I just want you to have a little bit of faith Amen. as far as taking God at his word. Not only is it a choice and it's attainable, but it does the impossible. Moves a sycamine tree and it plants it into the sea. That seems impossible, doesn't it? And God does the impossible in our life. Hey, church family, can I just tell you, I don't know what it is in your life. If it's, sometimes it's financial, man, there's just no way I'm going to be able to do that. Sometimes it's physical, all right, when it's things that we can't, it's beyond our control. It's something that's health related that I, I can't do anything about. Uh, sometimes that uh, it is really uh, trying to fix a, a, an offense with somebody. The Bible calls a, a brother offended, it is a, is a, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. And sometimes I just, I just can't, I can't get this thing fixed. <laughs> hey, can I just tell you something? God does the impossible. Sometimes it's a wayward child and they, they've gone a different direction and they're married, have their own kids. But can I tell you something? God does the impossible, all righty? 
And so again, all of us, if we just had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, how do I get that faith? Spirit-filled life. It's the fruit of the spirit, all right? Now, then he goes into this parable, and it, again, verse 7 through 10 is the answer to increase our faith, all right? God, I want to have more faith. I want to trust you more. Then God says, choose to do it. In his statement, verse number six, I believe it is, he says, you've got to choose to do it. He says, uh, it's just the grain of a mustard seed. It's very attainable. You can. And then he says, it can do the impossible. Now, what does the parable teach us? Look at your Bible now, verse number seven. If we're going to increase our faith, here's what has to happen. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. Uh, The word trow means think. I think not or I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. Now, that seems like a long answer to a short question. Increase our faith. Let me tell you a story. How many of you get into that age now, whenever your kids do something, you, get, you, you start by saying without even thinking. Well, when I was your age, and we begin to tell them a story about what we went through in our life. So Jesus is here. He's answering this question, increase our faith. And he says, listen, let me tell you a story. He says, there was this master and he had a servant and the servant went out and worked in the field all day long. And at the end of the day, the servant came back And the servant didn't just sit down. He made the servant set up for his own personal meal. He ate the meal. And then after the meal was done, he didn't even thank the servant. He says, the servant just simply did that, which is his duty. And then he makes the final statement. He says, it was an unprofitable servant. You know why it was unprofitable? He went to the field. How does that unprofitable? You know what was unprofitable? He came back home and served me dinner after he worked all day. He's unprofitable. He says, an unprofitable servant is a servant who does that which is his duty to do. Now, he answers the question, increase our faith by telling this short story in our life. I mean, all of us need our faith increased. We're going through life and we worry and we fret because we don't understand what is, what is happening and why is this happening to me and what is God trying to do in my life? Faith is being able to do things without seeing the outcome. You know, one of my favorite stories about faith is the, uh, the African impala. If you ever go to Africa, man, they're all over the place. But if you go to a zoo, you're going to find out that they caged those impalas with a three-foot fence. Now, impalas are known for jumping. In fact, it's very interesting. An impala can jump as high as 10 feet. That's the, highest, that's, 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 that's the height of a basketball goal. They can jump 10 feet high, and their distance is 30 feet. Now, think about an animal that can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet in distance. Why do you in a zoo see them caged with a three-foot fence. The interesting thing about an impala is this. And an impala, the animal, will never jump unless they can see where their feet are going to land. The reason in a zoo they have a three-foot fence is because they can't see over, over the, uh, the other side of that fence because there's a drop-off. They never jump over that fence because they can't see where their feet's going to land. And I want to tell you something. Christians are exactly the same way. So many times we are, we are caged by our own fears that are really, really, really small but they're so big because we can't see what the outcome is going to be or where we're going to land. And I'm just telling you, faith is, I don't have to worry about my land. God says, jump, you jump. God says, go, you go. All right. Why? It's taking God at his word. All right. Now this morning, let me just quickly point out these three or four things this morning. What was Jesus' answer through this story 
to show them how to increase their faith, all right? Verse number six again, I'll pick it up. It says, and the Lord said, if ye had the, I'm sorry, that's the statement, verse seven, excuse me. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle? Now, church, I mean, verse number nine, first phrase, doth he thank that servant? Church, I mean, can I just tell you that what increases your faith, faith, faith is simply serving. Church, I mean, he didn't use an illustration of somebody sitting at meat in the sense of the whole picture of the story is about the master. He said, really, the whole picture of the story is about the servant. What did the servant do? He went and worked out in the field all day. What did the servant do? He came out of the field. What did the servant do? He served the master a meal before sitting down and having his own doing. doing. What, what was the outcome of the servant? He was an unprofitable servant because he did that which was, un, it was his duty to do. The whole story is about a servant. I want to tell you something. What increases your faith is action. What increases your faith is service for God. Just, I mean, don't, don't ever lose sight. Yeah, and, I, and I'm going to tell you something. The older we get, the easier it is to say is, well, I can't because. This is uh, Compton down here. I'm going to shake your hand so you don't think I forgot you. How are you doing this morning? Fine. Good. 91, is that correct? 91. She, were you in the print shop once or twice this week? Three? You don't remember, do you? Okay. Well, I saw you there at least two times, if not three. So, church, I mean, we have a tendency to say, I can't because I'm getting older. Listen, be careful about doing that, okay? Because God has you here for a purpose, and service is what helps your faith increase. When you stop serving, it weakens your faith. That's right. And I, I, don't, I cannot explain it except for that's what Jesus said about faith. Jesus said it's important for us to serve and that service is what causes faith. Now, church, I want to tell you something. It's not about everybody. Hi, my name is. It's not about knocking doors. It's about being a servant to whatever God wants us to do. All right? And, and listen, <laughs> I mean, I know um, sometimes you say, well, I would like to serve in this area. I wouldn't do that if I were you either, all righty? What you want to do is say, I'm available. Can I come in? You know, I like it when people, and, I, and again, I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip this morning. I'm just trying to get you to think about if you're going to increase your faith, you've got to keep serving. Amen. You, you don't want to get to that place where you stop in your Christian life. So there are things that you can do. Listen, some of you, you put it on my shoulders, and I'm very thankful for you, for you doing this. But you'll say, Pastor Hanks, you, would you figure out a place? And, and you should. There's nothing wrong with this statement, okay? Would you find a place for me, okay? So, I, mean, I think some of the times, it's not, not all, but I think some of the times it's not me finding a place. It's just you finding a place. Amen. And I, I don't mean to throw the ball back on your court. But I'm trying to say is, is that, Goodness gracious, I never once asked Brother Lowe to come in and do anything. Brother Lowe, I've seen him out here several times, whether it's working upstairs trying to pull wire or do things, or I've seen him in the print shop as far as doing John Romans. Brother Lowe's not come to me, I don't think he's come to me one time and says, what can I do around here? He just found something. Brother Flory was out here all week this week, two or three days this week. I mean, he had, this guy here, man, he's taken out half the forest over here, all righty? And uh, I'm telling you, it looks so much nicer. Since we've had the property, there has been a brick wall or a stone wall that from, it must have been from years and years ago. We never took care of it. It's been out there. And there's been piles of stone and brick. He took upon himself to come out there and, and, and take care of this. He didn't say, Pastor, would you find a place for me to come? And I, I could not have imagined all the work that he's already done. 
You know why? He's just trying to find a place to serve. Now, I mean, this is not a commercial to try to get everybody in here. I'm just trying to say, Jesus said, if you're going to increase your faith, you got to serve. Amen. You, you got to serve. What, what can I do for you, God? What do you want me to do? That's what increases your faith. Look what he says next, all right? He, not only does he say in the parable to be a servant, look at verse number eight. And will not rather say unto him, talking to the servant, the servant, I'm sorry, can I read verse seven if you don't mind? Verse seven, but which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to the meat. That was a question. No, you don't tell the servant to go sit down to meet. Look at verse number eight. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. All right, now church, you got, you get it. You understand it. What's he saying? The servant goes out, works all day in the field and he comes back. He doesn't let that guy just sit down and have his own meal. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't get to eat first. I eat first. I'm the master. You're the slave. I own you. You're my possession. That's not a bad statement. He owns us. You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So God says, hey, listen, this is what I want you to do with your life. I don't want you to just go out and work, make a secular living. I don't want you to just, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want you to just go out and take care of your family. There's nothing wrong with that. But what God wants from your life is that you put him first. What does that do? Increases your faith. Jesus, would you please teach us how to have more faith? Okay, let me tell you a story. Servant, let me tell you a story. Put the master first. Now, I know these don't seem like very good how-to's. You'd think Jesus would sit down and say, okay, fellas, take out your pen and paper. Let me tell you point number one. No, Jesus says, let me tell you a story. The story answers the question, how do you increase your faith? You serve. How do you increase your faith? You put God first. Amen. I was preaching yesterday at a, um, at a uh, youth rally for the kids actually went to it over there in Independence, Missouri. I think seven, six or seven churches came to it. And uh, I was talking to the kids about discipleship as far as yielding their life to the Lord, as far as being yielded to the Lord. And you know the story about Christ and discipleship. He said, count the cost. He says, a person doesn't build a tower without first counting the cost. Otherwise, he doesn't have enough to finish it. Then he uses a second story and he says, there's a king that went to war. He had 10,000 men against another king who had 20,000 men. And he rethinks it and he sends an ambassador to say, ah, let's, let's figure out how we can have peace here. Because he didn't count the cost. Do you know what one of the major costs of discipleship is? It's putting God first. Amen. You say, where do you get that from? The scripture says, if a man does not hate his father, his mother, his children, his brother, his sister, he says, he cannot be my disciples. Now, the word hate is not like we use the word hate, all right? I hate you. I have a disgust for you. That's not what Jesus was saying. That word hate means to love less. Church, I mean, God never commanded us to really hate because the, otherwise the fifth commandment we need to throw out, honor thy father and mother. God doesn't command us to hate people, but he commands us to love them less. And by the way, as much as we love God, ought to seem like hate when it comes to people. Amen. I don't live my life, to, I'm not supposed to live my life to please my wife. I'm not supposed to live my life to please my children. I'm not supposed to live my life to please others. I'm supposed to live my life to please him. Now in pleasing him, I can please others. All I'm trying to get you to see this morning is this. If you want your faith increased, you need to serve. If you want your faith increased, you must put God first in your life. Look at the next thing. Look what Jesus, look what Jesus said in his story here. Verse number nine, I believe it is. Verse number nine. 
Verse 9 says this. It says, doth he, what's the next word? Verse 9, doth he what? Thank. Does, doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? Our church, I know that you've heard these things before. Again, I think it goes right with the lesson. If I'm going to increase my faith, I need to serve God without being thanked. You know what that does? That goes against our pride. How come pastor didn't notice what I did? How come my, the Sunday school, I'm the helper. How come the Sunday school teacher didn't say anything about all the work that I did to prepare for that Sunday school class? How come, how come? Listen, church family, our reward time is not now. Our reward time is going to be in heaven. Amen. You stand at the judgment seat of Christ, the rewards are going to be passed out. And by the way, when you get to heaven, you're going to be glad that God's giving you the rewards, not some man, because God says if you do to be seen of men, then you're going to lose your reward. We're not serving God so that people recognize us. We're serving God because we love him. And God's the one that says, I'm going to be the one that's going to bless you for it. You know what that does? Increases your faith. Listen to me. When a person serves to get, uh, to get human or mankind recognition, then what happens is, is their service is based upon sight. Are you with me? In other words, I'm serving so that somebody sees what I've done. Then that's sight. When a person serves and they don't get any recognition, that's faith. Because I'm not serving, the, 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 the thing that pushes me is not what people notice. The thing that pushes me is that I'm pleasing God. Amen. What is that? That's faith in our life. All right. Last thing that I see as far as the story here goes, as far as to increase your faith is verse number 10. So likewise. So likewise ye. All right. In other words, he tells the story. Now he makes application. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, Say, we are unprofitable servants. Why are we unprofitable servants? We have done that which was our duty to do. Now, church family, the word duty there means to owe somebody or be under obligation. Can I just tell you, we owe God everything. Amen. I'm going to heaven one day. I don't, I don't spend one second in hell. What a blessing. I owe him everything. So God says, hey, listen, you're not a profitable servant just simply because you did what you're commanded. You read your Bible. You prayed. You went to church this morning. You are a profitable servant when you go above and beyond what your duty is. Right. When you go above and beyond what's commanded, then you know what God says? That's faith. That's faith. Church, I mean, I don't know how you are if you work a secular job, but a lot of people, when they work their secular job, they put their, they put their time in. Whatever the time I start, and as soon as this thing over, I'm done. You know, Christianity is not like that. Amen. Christianity is a life, it's not ours. Christianity is a ministry, not a job. And we as, God, we as God's people, if we're going to have the faith that we need, then we need to make sure that we go above and beyond the duties that God's commanded us. All right. I'm going to move this out of the way. I'm done. Are you guys doing okay? Some of you a little tired this morning. Long day, long week. Glad you're in church this morning. Amen. I'm glad you're in church this morning. You know, Thanksgiving's coming. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. Christmas is after that. That's a blessing. Hopefully the Lord will come back. That'd be more of a blessing. Amen. Wouldn't have a Thanksgiving spread, the marriage supper of the lamb. They're going to have fried chicken there. Yeah, fried chicken. They will not have sushi there. This is heaven we're talking about, all right? I'm not talking about hell, amen? I tell you, sushi. How many, any of you like sushi? How many of you like sushi? Seriously? Unbelievable. Sushi. Just the name Sushi. I'm a man. Sushi. Unbelievable. All right, let's pray.